0: Welcome to the EverSaleen podcast, the show that ignites your passion for leadership and empowers you to develop a culture of continuous improvement. I'm your host, Matt Sims, and in each episode, we bring you fascinating insights and invaluable tips from our incredible lineup of guests. What do they all have in common? They share an unwavering dedication to excellence and are the experts in driving engagement, improving metrics and reducing costs. The Ever So Lean
1: Podcast with Matt Sims. You know it makes sense.
0: This episode is sponsored by Catalyst Consulting Limited catalyst consulting exists to help people and organizations work better today and be ready for tomorrow they have a rich history of igniting business transformation using business agility lean six sigma strategy deployment agile and change management they can help you and your organization to develop the skills necessary to work and manage differently to find out more check out catalystconsulting.co.uk Welcome to the Ever Celine podcast, where today I have the honor of hosting Dr. Ala Garard, an esteemed expert in quality management and organizational learning. With over 24 years of experience in leadership, implementation and management across multiple industries, Ala is a highly regarded industry expert. He has held top management positions at Emirates Airlines, Union National Bank and Investors in People UAE, solidifying his expertise. Allah is not only an accomplished practitioner but also a renowned author. He is the creator of the learning-driven organization model and the best-selling book titled, The Learning Driven Business, How to Develop an Organization Learning Ecosystem. I love that word, ecosystem. It sounds so good. His contributions have been recognized by prestigious institutions including his fellowship of the Royal Society of Arts, Manufactures and Commerce. Additionally, he is a Certified Management and business educator from the Chartered Association of Business Schools in the UK. Now, in 2022, Ala was honoured with the esteemed BQF Headline UK Excellence Award by Her Royal Highness Princess Royal, acknowledging his exceptional contributions to the field of organisational learning. Now, today, we are privileged to have Allah joining us, where he will be sharing his insights on how learning can serve as a powerful tool for individuals to enhance their performance and achieve their goals. Leveraging his expertise, experiencing consultancy, executive education and business development, Allah will shed light on the significance of learning within organisations. He will help us comprehend how organisational learning can act as a catalyst to drive toward mission and strategic objectives. By exploring the dynamic relationships between individual and organisational learning. Allah will provide invaluable guidance on leveraging learning to unlock potential and foster success at both personal and organization levels. So make yourself comfortable, grab a cup of your favorite beverage, and join us today as we embark on a deep dive into the transformative power of learning and its profound impact on performance and growth. Allah, we welcome you to the Eversalim podcast. Thank you very
1: much, Matt. Thank you for the lovely introduction, and I'm pleased to be with you and your audience.
0: It's so wonderful to have you. Such an educated man with so much experience. I feel like I should sit in the corner and face the wall.
1: Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just a lifelong learner. Uh, it's, that's all. And uh, as you can see, I mean, learning helps you to, to become energetic, to to remain young. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to do many things as well. That's my mantra. Learning keeps you young. Yeah.
0: So, so you guys can't see this, but I'm looking at Allah. He looks about 15. <laughs> Thank 15 you. 15 years old. My
1: wife <laughs> would be happy to hear this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Do you know what's really funny? I typed your name into Google, just as you do, and so much come up. You've got so many social media outlets on there, so many videos of you speaking. It's incredible. You really are sort of well publicized.
1: I I, I always, you know, it it stems all from quality literature and quality management. We like to do things, not just to talk about them. So if I call myself a learning professional, then I have to practice it. I have to share the knowledge I know, the little knowledge I know. I like to share (laughs) with people. Um, I like to, you know, leave an impact and and help others to learn what I know. So You
0: certainly do.
1: And I noticed the more you spread the knowledge, the more you share what you know, the more you you learn more and, and, and you get also connected with nice people and
0: you keep learning from them. Do you know it's it's really funny, right? A tradesman, so like somebody who a plumber or an electrician or a decorator, they always say that those people's homes look the worst. So a decorator's house is in desperate need of decoration uh-huh. because they do it all day; they can't be bothered to do it at oh. home. Well, you're different as a learner. You don't just just preach it; you are learning as well. It's brilliant.
1: We have to we have to walk the talk, and as I said, I mean, if I know some knowledge, anyone, I mean, we have it just just in our brains it's a tacit knowledge if you don't share it if you don't receive critique or feedback and uh, notice what you know and what you don't know and then how we continue learning so it's it's good to share because the best thing to learn something is to teach it yes and then you notice you will realize so uh, how much do you know and how much you don't know
0: in the subject of sharing i need to vent i need to tell you something that happened to me just before we came on air today because you wouldn't believe it so i had to pop into town right? And I live on the south coast of the UK. So in the UK, if you live on the coast, there's just seagulls everywhere, loads of seagulls, and they're massive. They are absolutely huge. Anyway, I was in town and I popped into McDonald's for a sneaky chicken burger, right? Mm -hmm. I literally walked out the store, right? With this chicken burger, opened the wrapper Uh I had two bites out of this chicken burger. It was really, really nice, right? Then, from, from literally from nowhere, this seagull dive bombed me from behind, grabbed the wow. burger, and flew off. And all I Shame. had in my hand was the Shame. wrapper. Oh
1: my god! I can't believe it. <laughs> oh my god! <goodness>. And
0: not <laughs> not only did it steal my lunch, it then proceeded to sit on top of this oh shop right god. in front of me and eat it looking at me going, this wow. chicken burger is lovely. <laughs> oh, my god! I couldn't believe it.
1: <laughs> I cannot envy you for that. <laughs> Honestly, <this. laughs> and it
0: even left me the wrapper. It didn't yeah. even oh take the goodness. rubbish. So I paid two wow. quid for this chicken burger that I had two bites in it, and then it stole it and then ate it in front of me. I couldn't believe it. They must have been
1: trained a lot to make it in, uh, successful from the first run.
0: But they must. I reckon they must know. So they sit opposite yeah, the store yeah, exactly. and I bet the staff in the store watch and go, here comes another one. Oh. <laughs> and they just take their dinners <laughs> yeah. all the time.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. Unbelievable.
0: <laughs> oh. I, I then went into that moment of sort of that, that, that trying to save the embarrassment. So I tried to style it out like it didn't happen, hoping that nobody saw. <laughs> I digress. Let's move on. So I mentioned in your intro there some fantastic accolades that you've had over the years, like the Fellowship and then the BQF Headline UK Excellent Award. Now, that one in particular from the BQF, Uh I'm really excited to hear about because of, I don't know if you're aware, but I'm a judge this year with the BQF on three different awards. We are fellows,
1: we are colleagues.
0: We (laughs) have colleagues. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. So I did the first panel for Best Team, actually, last week. And it was a full day, but it was one of the best days that I've ever had. Listening to people about the wonderful stuff yeah. they're doing in these big organizations, how they're working together. Six or seven people coming on the call from that one organization just to talk about what they've done is wonderful. And then later this year, so the finals take place in October. Correct. And I will actually be at the awards and I'll be doing interviews wonderful. with the winners as they come off stage. And we're going to have wow. a special episode. Wow. Of the Everceline podcast, dedicated to the winners, which is going to be great fun. Amazing! That's amazing, and that
1: helps also to to, to promote and um, the learning and the success. Because really, I, I can't forget any ceremony I've attended. Because this is really brings everything in in one place in, in one minute. You feel it. You feel the um, rewarding and recognition of the hard and smart work as well. And I use, I'm sure you know you can describe it much better than me. But this was actually the start of everything for me in the career of quality, attending one of these awards ceremonies. And that really is like the Oscar, you know. And uh, I attribute a lot of my contributions to BQF or Bridge Quality Foundation. And before also was other uh, quality awards in the Middle East. I don't know if you want me to give you a background when I started all of this, where it came from. And, uh...
0: Yeah. So firstly, I must say, you're very lucky Ricky Gervais wasn't the presenter when you went to the uh, BQF Oscars. Because you know <laughs> what Ricky Gervais is like? He will pick on people and you're lucky. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, tell us about how this all started for you. The whole
1: thing started, I would say, I mean, before 2001, I, I was a networking engineer. I was a certified Microsoft systems engineer, working with cables, machines, etc. But I came across literature about quality, article about quality. And, and that it made me really curious because I thought this is something I'm passionate. I want, I want to learn more about it. And then I just noticed that a university next door in Dubai, it's an Australian university called Wollongong. They run a MQM. I said, oh, what is, I know MBA, but what is this MQM? And it was Master of Quality Management. And I said, I, I'm, I'm really curious enough. I want to learn more about this quality management. What is it? I paid a visit to the university. I looked into this course and, and that was, you know, the eureka moment. Say, oh, that's it. I, I want to do this. Within 48 hours, I got my offer to study. Wow. (laughs) I am action-oriented. I am biased for action. That's incredible. I'm passionate about something, I like to take action. I took action on this and I I started studying quality. And uh, that took me to one of the ceremonies was Dubai Quality Award, which is very similar to BQF Awards. Even in the beginning, there was some sort of collaboration between both awards in the very first beginning. And I was really touched by by this, you know, warmness of feeling and people celebrating and cheering up, receiving the award. But I said, this must be, you know, the iceberg. People can't come here and celebrate and receive an award. They must have been doing something, a lot of work to be here on the stage. And this took me, you know, the, like we do backward audit now, it took me backward to what does it, It takes you to go to the stage and be there. Then I started to learn about the EFQM model, European Foundation for Quality Management, the ISO, and all of the quality tools and mechanisms. And that supported my study with the Master of Quality Management. I started to belong to a community in quality, American Society for Quality, BQF. I, of course, heard about it at the time. Uh, then started the journey to become assessor in in quality awards. And by the time I completed my master, and I noticed when I go to assess organizations, they talk about learning and they learn and their lessons learned. And I felt this is, yeah, it doesn't make any sense if you just try to apply quality without learning, without sustaining the knowledge you acquire, etc. So I kept visiting the university and there was an auction at the library about old books. And one of them was titled The Fifth Discipline for Peter Singh. Oh, Peter Singh is the godfather of organizational learning. It's like our Deming in quality management. And so I, I read this book and that I was looking for a topic for my PhD research. And I found the similarities or overlapping between organizational learning and quality management, i.e. if I, as an organization, learn well, will I become excellent? And that was the big question to me. And I started the curiosity of the researcher to figure out and find out how learning can help us to become better organizations, to achieve our strategic objectives, to unleash our potential. And that journey started, uh, how many years, 22 years now, I mean, in, in in learning and quality. But of course, I had previous experience in education and IT. So from there, I came up with the research and work around the commonality or similarities between organizational learning, business excellence, slash, quality management. And that was the title, actually, of my doctoral thesis, The Two Sides of the Same Coin, organizational learning and business excellence.
0: Sounds like a Netflix series.
1: <laughs> 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 it's <brilliant. I> agree. <laughs> yeah, this is I, I mean, I'm just talking to you and reflecting how the, the, the journey started and what, remarkable. what brought me to this topic of organizational learning, because until today, still in, I would say in the infancy stage as a topic yeah. of research and practice as well though we all practice it we do things mechanisms but we don't know that this is called organizational learning or this is called cross training so we apply the methods Mm. but probably not consciously or not um, in a mindful
0: way you know when things are meant to be i find that they just happen and you, you, you just sort of fell into that within For 48 hours you had an offer and then you were just running with it weren't you it's incredible
1: exactly because it's i almost always believe and i'm sure many of your audience will believe in this it's all about passion so when you are passionate about something you definitely will be good at this mm. thing if you really uh, keep acquiring new skills and sharpening your skills so if we are passionate about something, and I, I always don't want to lose this passion. So I look into how to do it. Uh, I know my why, but I, mm. I want to learn how how to take this why. First, to learn and, and understand. Second, to share this learning uh, with others. Especially, I am in the academia as well. And beside my industry work, I am associate professor. So I, I like to share. And I, I, I listen also to my students and those researchers. I supervise. So it's a, it's, it's a kind of exchange I consider. It's like currency, we exchange learning, yeah.
0: And you're spot on as well. If you are passionate about something, it does drive success.
1: Yeah, on it. Because I know many people, my friends and colleagues and students, they are passionate about something. The difference between you just being passionate and just remain passionate and making something out of this and become something, if I use Dale Carnegie, becoming something, we have to take action. It's not enough to just be passionate and having, you know, good wishes and intentions to do things. You know, I was reading a piece of um, research from Inc.com. They say only 8% of people manage to accomplish their mission, to achieve their goals. Only wow. 8%. Because not, not everyone, you know, this 92%, not everyone takes action on what they are passionate mm. about in the first place they may not be even clear what they want but if you know what you want and you're passionate about mm. it then do something about it and believe me i don't want to just talk in theory or make in the theories here whenever you you seek for help you will get it if you are passionate about something and you try to do it and you ask for help you will get help there are many people willing to help and the, another mantra here ask for it you may get it if you ask people to Partially sponsor your studies, and you look for it. You, there is someone who is willing to help you. If you have a product you want to sell, and it's really good product, and you you know what is your why with this product, there someone willing to buy your product.
0: Wouldn't it be amazing to be young again and have the mind that you have now? When you leave school, and you know you you've been through like your secondary school education and your first first foray out into the working world. It's such a difficult time for individuals because your head's spinning, very often you don't actually know what you want to do. Your self-confidence tends to be quite low because of your age, you're self-conscious. And this is my personal view, is that when you're at school, I don't think we get taught the things that we should be taught. Like, for example, can you imagine if when you're at school, they actually taught you about continuous improvement, about quality management, how to do like root cause analysis. I never learned any of that at school. And i had been in a much better position if I'd have left school at 16 and knew how to do that stuff, rather than having to wait till I was a lot older to find Lean. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: I I mean, it's never too late. We manage uh, to do what whatever we can do. I mean, Deming, Edward Deming, the Godfather of quality theory he was lecturing at age of 96 even with the wheelchair was you know his nurse helping him he he kept lecturing so i don't think age is a barrier to to stop things but also to spread the word and you know creating more of these ripples around mm. uh, but I, I agree with you there should be some raising awareness at the school level about basic concepts of quality of customer service I, I you know the kids nowadays at, at least some kids I know some my kids are uh, this type of kids they when they are not happy with the service they look for the comments card or look, go to the website and and log a complaint if they are happy with something they go and send a thanks note to to people etc uh, and this is one of the principles of quality we shouldn't accept poor quality mm. we should learn how to report it we should learn how to talk to the providers to improve it. And, and this is basically, if you look into my book, the chapter or the part about individual learning, it's about how individuals become learning driven. So I am, I am doing this because I want to learn and I want to improve my career. Uh, I mentioned once in a TEDx talk when I was in the UAE, I managed in less than, it's a long time actually, 18 years, I got 80 times double of my salary. From the day one, I went to Dubai since I was about to leave. And that's all because I kept learning new skills and productizing these skills and making revenue out of it, either if it is my own startup or as an an employee. Mm -hmm. So I have entrepreneurship. You know, we we are very familiar with entrepreneurship. there's another term also, entrepreneurship, where you can do startups and business within your employer, within your company. So you bring them new products, you help them to develop new services. So instead of you go and take the risk and start your entrepreneurship, you do intrapreneurship. So learning driven people should be a really good topic for our new generations. I agree. And uh, I have lots of examples of people who productized their knowledge and they make a big difference.
0: It's funny because, you know, I, I left school at 16 with a, with a couple of GCSEs. Didn't learn anything about lean or continuous improvement. But I tell you what I did learn. I learned how to use a Bunsen burner to melt a Bic pen. I could do that easily. No problem at all. It's just mad. I I think our system, our our education system is so broken and and it just needs an overhaul and and an update. And I think we could add so much more value to what kids learn and make it so much more meaningful. I remember my mum, and this is irrelevant now, but I remember my mum sitting me down teaching me how to fill out a cheque back in the days when we used to write checks, (laughs) never learned that at school, I I had to be taught it by my (laughs) mum. Yeah,
1: I I totally understand and I appreciate these are the skills for life, and also in the schools, we should learn how to learn, because we learn learn in different speeds, we learn in different ways, some people like to read, some like to listen or or to watch a video, we don't learn with the same method, that's for sure. So... How to learn and how to discover our learning methods. Believe me, I teach this at a master level now, established, uh, talking about productizing knowledge. I managed with help of other colleagues uh, to develop MSC in strategic organizational learning. And I have students who works like CEOs and senior people. And when they get this simple five minutes assessment to learn about your learning method or learning style, they get astonished. They say, I wish if I had known this 20 years ago, yeah. it would have made a big difference. Uh, as I thought, I wasted a lot of time trying to learn by reading while it would be good if I watched it. So these techniques, we should learn it really in the early stage and it will save us a lot of, a lot of time and can help us to become better in what we do. Yeah, um, But as I said, it's never too late. We try to, you know, improve in our circles and then it gets wider and wider and so on.
0: Well, I'm booking my flight to Dundee now, Al. I'm on my way. Sign me up. Oh, come on.
1: You're welcome.
0: <laughs> You'll enjoy our Dundee marmalade.
1: <laughs> you know, we just mentioned in our chat now about the 8% of population, of people on Earth manage to achieve their objectives or targets. And achieving what whatever objective or, or goal in life can't just come with wishing to achieve it or just keep dreaming about it. We have to take action. We have to learn new skills. And sometimes we need to unlearn our old skills, relearn more skills. You know, so it's not only about learning, it's about unlearning, relearning.
0: Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, forgetting. And
1: also, exactly. And, and, and not only going through the traditional route with just only academic qualification, because there is a difference between learning and education. And sometimes the education system can be a barrier for learning. So we need to be careful about this. But for adult people, I know kids that are taken care of maybe by other organizations or the system. But if we're talking about working professionals or people in the workplace, how do they learn and how they productize this learning? This is the the magic here. All of us has expertise in some topic. The example you mentioned, I, I know how to write a book. It took me a lot of time to learn this, but now I know how to write and how to get it published, for example, how to develop a course from scratch, how to get it accredited. These kind of, I would say, actionable learning that can help you to bring some knowledge, tacit knowledge, in our brain to become explicit, to become documented, to become structured to become standardized, and to become sellable as well. Even if you sell it for free, but but it has to be in a form that attracts people to buy your product and and subscribe to your product. So for individuals, learning-driven people, and I like to use people more than individuals, those are who are reflective practitioners. They keep reflecting on the experience they go through, and they are keen to take notes and document their learning to reshape it, to discuss it with others, and then come up with a product. There are many examples. I I have one of of the examples, Uh, one of my students and mentees called Karim. He used to work for an uh, airline, uh, but his job became redundant. So he lost his job. And that was, of course, bad news to anyone. But I remember from our discussions that he has very good knowledge in helping flight attendants should do how they should behave. Uh, And he was in the job committee where interviewing new flight attendants. And he said, I know that they're going to to do say something wrong. I I can't say stop saying this. This is wrong. They should learn. I don't know why they don't go for some training or they learn about this profession before applying. I recalled all of this and I told Karim, why don't you start your own training? You're good in this and you have good skills in delivering uh, information and you're a good trainer. Why don't you develop your course and start? He's again another really good action biased person, and he immediately acted on it. He passed the denial stage, and uh-huh. you know, say terminated etc. The job, so he started immediately putting the course together and announced it, and it got about 12, 13 people attended, and then it started to take a shape, and then he established his company, and he had good business network in Kuala Lumpur, so he started there. Today, Karim is partnering, his company is partnering with Harvard Publishing. Wow. He has tens of training courses. He has an office in Singapore, Japan, Dubai, and Cairo. He trained over six to 7,000 people. Now, major airlines are outsourcing him for recruitment. So, they outsource the recruitment job to him. And the whole story started with productizing some knowledge you have and appreciating this knowledge and make it a, a product. There are so many examples of people I know and people I read about. When you are driven by learning, you will find a way to bring this knowledge and put it in a course. You can Google uh, uh, it on, or, or search for Amazon. You'll find a series of bestsellers, how to whisper to your cat, whispering to dogs, whispering to parrots. And these are bestsellers. Some author came, someone came with a good idea. You can whisper to your cat and you can understand. Someone is interested to learn how to whisper to the, your, your cat or your pet. I have an example of Jason Vale. He's, he's a multi-billionaire. And all his books and expertise in juice, how juice can help you to heal, how juice can help you to become uh, healthier. And he's the brand ambassador to many uh, mixer companies and Uh, He has Juice Academy, he has several bestsellers. Why I'm saying all of this? Because some people say, oh, I don't know much. And, uh, you know, who would care about my knowledge in ISO 9000 or lean? Yeah, everybody knows this. Yeah, but not everybody has the capability to to convert this into a product and to make it sellable and to deliver it as well. Mm. So every one of us is expert in some area. And every one of us can write a bestseller, which is their CV. Imagine you pick your CV and you extend it and explain the challenges you've been through this employer or reaching this position and beef the CV a little bit. You have a 50, 60 page book that you can do self-publishing on Amazon without any headache going to a publisher or anything. You just can do it right away at the click of a button with these platforms, Amazon and, and other platforms. So we need to think of being a learning-driven individual or learning-driven people. Even the difficult situations we go through, the challenges, the tragedies, there must be something to be learned from this. And there must be other people somewhere else passing through this experience. and would appreciate if you share this knowledge with them.
0: Are you ready to elevate your team's ways of working? Are you seeking fresh insights and growth opportunities? Our experts will assess your team's practices, providing valuable insights for improvement and celebration. Reward and recognize your team with this certification tailored specifically for creating an improvement culture. The BQF Academy Accreditation acknowledges your journey, outstanding outcomes, and future plans. Whether you utilise Lean, Six Sigma, project management or continuous improvement techniques, this certification celebrates your incredible work and positive impact. <laughs> Propel your team's performance to new heights with the BQF Team Excellence Culture Certification. Visit www.bqf.org.uk today and let's celebrate your success together.
1: 13 time Shingo Prize winner, Dr. Jeffrey Liker and Toyota Kata author, Mike Rother, have created the Improvement Kata and Coaching Kata online course. This inexpensive compact program is designed to transform your thinking and approach, making you a highly skilled learner and coach. Engage in deliberate practice to turbocharge your progress. You also get lifetime access to the materials, including all of the bonus interviews. Why pay up to 10 times the price elsewhere listening to some consultant when you can gain direct insights from the masters themselves. Skip the rest and go with the best. Join us
0: today and embark on your journey to excellence. Just click on the link below to start your journey. Wonderful advice. And you make it sound so easy. You make it sound simple, I'm going to knock up a novel this afternoon and have it published by seven. <laughs> Believe me. It's... Do you know what a previous guest, a really good example, a previous guest said to me that resonates with what you've just described is, you know, the, um, the burger chain, Five Guys? Yeah, of course. Really big in the UK. I my,
1: my son can spend all his salary on it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's
0: nice if the seagulls let you eat it. But anyway, um, five, five Guys have never spent a penny on marketing. They don't do any advertising because they've created such a good product that people love. They don't need to promote it. It sells itself. Exactly. And it fits, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And I'm sure you would see the cues and and many of of similar, I mean, other other brands you don't need really because you you manage to make a good product and it it sells for itself. I I totally agree with you.
0: And it's the same with learning, isn't it? If you create a really good product that, of knowledge that people want to know, and most importantly, you make it for the for the level you're pitching at. Make it real for people so people understand it and they can connect with it. Do you know one of the things that makes me laugh? If you see a baby, you don't go up to the baby and go, hello, baby, how are you today? Just asking how you're getting on. Do you fancy a little bit of milk or something? You go up to a baby and you go, hello, you, are you okay? You pitch what you're saying (laughs) to the level of the baby, don't you? But as an adult, when you're learning, how often do we just try and sheep dip everybody in exactly the same way rather than change the message? Absolutely. And this is
1: why uh, when I was talking about the, sometimes the education system can be barrier for learning because you assume people are all at the same level you deliver the same magic message with the same content to everyone with the same channel and this doesn't work we have yeah. to uh, to recognize the differences we are different we learn in different ways
0: was different... so true very simple so you've got different generations and all those generations learn in a different way and so often this is where any type of any type of education that you do within an organization and just using continuous improvement as an example yeah. so often companies fail because they try to teach everybody in exactly the, the same, same way yeah. and it doesn't work Absolutely. that's the first mistake yeah and that's the rule where I like
1: many enlightened or organizations organizations when they have the chief learning officer. So we're moving a little bit away from the typical training manager to a chief learning officer with a team that makes sure that they capture the lessons learned, they capture the outcome from the audits, they capture the outcome from the projects we develop and uh, do uh, after action review and bring the knowledge captured from this to the whole organization. They also provide you with a platform. If you went to one of the BQF events and you liked something and you want to bring this learning to the organization, so they prepare a platform for you where you can voice up, you can explain it, and they, they pick your brain, they capture your learning as an individual, and they make it organizational learning. It's on the level of the organization because we attend many of these lovely webinars and we come with good ideas but then if you don't have a system in your company back home that can adopt this and can encourage you and recognize you for this learning then it will remain Mm. at my own level it will not become
0: organization-wide so true it's so true so then when you stop and think about these things that you really see so clearly the clarity of where we fall over sometimes i think what happens more often than not as well when you're in an organization particularly in larger organizations is that self development that self learning piece everybody you know sets themselves time to go and self develop but how often do we get overrun with meetings overrun with projects that are going on and then we never actually you know we just we use that time to do something else it doesn't happen exactly. does it exactly
1: and that's that's why when we talk about Both actually, learning-driven people and learning-driven organization, because the currency here is learning and they are so eager organization level that always they want to capture what people brought from outside or inside. So there are several mechanisms for this to capture the individual learning and and also the organization-wide learning and make it really organizational. So when we have someone coming totally new to the organization, a newcomer, they can have access to this learning. I mean, life is short. We can't repeat all the mistakes that others repeated. Or they... we need to do new mistakes. Maybe you know, <laughs> <laughs> but we can't keep repeating things if it is done before and someone you know found a solution for it. Why don't we learn? Why we call it benchmarking? Yeah, yeah, simple. There's a big term called benchmarking. There are BSI standard on benchmarking. BS standards. There are so many publications, but it's simple. Just learn from others' experience. So if I really want to define benchmarking as a term, I wrote a whole, a full chapter about it in my book, but I can summarize it just learning from others' experience. Positive or negative, success or failure yeah we learn from failure more than we learn from success
0: yeah what's that saying there's no need to reinvent the wheel the wheel already exists
1: (laughs) don't reinvent the wheel
0: yeah it's it's true and we learn most of the, the things that i've learned in the past are by making mistakes i've had so many projects that have failed so many projects and it, and that they're the ones I've gone, right, from experience now, the next time I know how to deal with that situation. If I hadn't have done that, I would never know. Absolutely.
1: And one thing I would like to say here about, you know, realising or learning from experience that we, we really need to be humble. This is rule number one, humble enough to acknowledge that there is something went wrong here i know here was my colleagues and people i come from the middle east but i see it's okay here in the uk people have no issue acknowledging that this went wrong and yeah it was my mistake etc but in the middle east we don't have this culture we always like you know i don't want to generalize also but in some cultures people become defensive they find it Mm. hard to say i did something wrong and that's a major barrier for learning Because if we don't be humble enough to acknowledge that someone else doing it better than me and I have to be open minded Mm. to learn it from this someone and be wise also to outperform and and doing it in a new way, then we will remain revolving in the same vicious.
0: But how do you change that mindset if you're if you're working in an organization and there's lots of individuals there that, you know, have that mindset? How do you change it?
1: The easy, I mean, the short answer for this starts with the senior management always, because if you see your boss is humble enough to acknowledge that, oh, I took this decision, I'm going to reverse it now because it wasn't a wise decision. And nobody, you know, the senior management doesn't feel shame to, you know, do wrong things and fix it or, or overcome it. That's learning by doing rather than just giving a lecture mm. to people. So learning by practice, learning by doing is most effective. But the culture takes a lot of time to build and institutionalize. Luckily, there are a lot of, you know, best of practice in this. We, again, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. Look at the, the work of Edgar Schein. Ed Schein is the guru of corporate culture and how to make a healthy culture in an organization, how to cultivate learning culture. Because, again, learning is, a, as you said, it's a mindset. And uh, if people want to look nice and they bury errors and mistakes, you know, under the carpet, then what are you going to fix if there is no errors, if nothing wrong? Where is the problem?
0: Do you know what's really interesting, though? And one of the, the things that I really like, I like to empower my teams and give them the two-way door methodology, where you know you make a decision, but we can always revert back. You know, unless it's uh, this cannot be reverted, you need to learn from it. So make the decision rightly or wrongly, and
1: learn. Look into the, back to basics, the 14 points of Deming, one of them is drive fear out. Uh, So drive fear out. You look into the literature of organizational learning, it says blame free culture. You can't learn when you are afraid. You can't learn when you are disengaged from the organization. We can't learn if I know if I do something wrong, I will be punished or penalized. So we have to create this landscape, this kind of psychological safety. Uh, for people to to commit mistakes and errors and to learn from it. And we even have to reward them for this. I used to do this when I used to have a startup with a franchise of investors and people. If you report something wrong and a problem and you report it and you explain it and you explain how you go about it, you receive some trophy, you receive some recognition for this because we want to learn. We we don't want to hide things yet.
0: And I've said this before, right? People don't go into work deliberately to do it wrong or make a mistake. Nobody does that.
1: Absolutely. You, You nailed it. People, I quote again, Deming, he said people do not mind to do their best, but they need to know what to do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so true. Very clever man,
0: Deming. He said some good things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he really is. Amazing. I dread to yeah. think what they'll quote me in sort of 60, 70 years when I'm when I'm dead and gone. And they say, Matt Sims said this, it'd be cringe. You'd be like, Oh, no, <laughs> he didn't say that, did he? <laughs> But again, if you get a
1: book of quotes and you enjoy it and we don't really subscribe to it or believe in it and take, put it into action. yeah. Like I've said also, I mean, I assist over 600 companies in the past 20 years. And you see the CEOs, they say things, nice things. And when you have the random sample of the employees to talk to them, you can, you can really smell it. You can see the fear culture there. And all the nice talk with the CEO is, is in there. Yeah. It's not in the ground. It's, it's really nice talk to impress
0: people. It's a pantomime.
1: But in reality, uh, yeah, um, they don't even, in the meetings, they don't give a chance to people to talk mm. and they, you know, put fear and things. There is blame even indirectly. So it's not about just a nice code, but do you really oh. put this into action? Do you really practice it yourself? This is where uh, I put in front of me here, like pause and reflect. Sometimes when I say things, I say, okay, pause, reflect. Yeah. Uh, do you mean it? Do you really take action on this? Do you really do this? What is the outcome of this? Because sometimes also we do things and there is not really tangible outcome of it. So pause and reflect. There's
0: a, there's a new step on that. I don't know if you heard it. The modern version is pause, reflect, and then ask chat GPT. That's the three <laughs> steps that I go through. So, 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 no, no. Sometimes <laughs> yes. when you get a, a, an email from somebody and it makes you quite emotive, the old worst thing you could do is then respond with an emotive email back and fire it off. Uh-huh. And it used to be that you would write the emotive email and then save it in your drafts and send it later on once you'd calmed down. i get a
1: critical friend review. <laughs> yeah,
0: what I do now is I wrote the emotive email, I put it into JetGPT and I say, take the emotion out of this and make it sound more professional. Uh-huh. That turns it into a really well-written email, then I send it off. That's it, that's it. Always <laughs> reflect, use ChatGPT. And,
1: and this is really, I like you being actually oriented because <laughs> if you sit in a meeting, everyone talks about ChatGPT, but do you really use it? Do you really use it in a yes, good way as well? Yes, I love it. Not like some of uh, students who just do it to plagiarize, <laughs> but we do it. And, and I found it very helpful. I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago and I wanted to cut it down to 700 words. Brilliant. And I, I thought the time I'm taking to do it myself will be huge, so... I bought it to ChatGPT and asked asked to get it to seven hundred words, and it was magic. It's amazing, isn't seconds. it? Mind blowing. So you have a free editor yeah. helping you because the old alternative I would go to a proofreader or editor to do it for me and I have to wait three, four days. I'll
0: tell you a little secret if you don't tell anyone. Promise not to tell anyone. Okay. Not only our audience, here. Yeah. Your introduction today was written by ChatGPT. Wow, wow. So all I did, right? I, wow. I go into Chat GPT, I paste random like information about you wow. that I wanted to talk about. I say, write me an introduction for a podcast. Bang, it's oh, there. Half a second. Um, I'm
1: impressed.
0: I'm <laughs> You've impressed. lost all respect for me now, <laughs> haven't you? you think, oh, he's not, he, he
1: didn't write that himself. Yeah, well, Damn you him. knew the tool and you used it the right way because everybody knows about ChatGPT, but how many they are using it in an yeah. effective manner.
0: I think they've got my account saved okay. and they go, oh, is that bloke again? <laughs> is that Matt Sibs, Here we go.
1: <laughs> AI is meant to help us to focus on what we are good at. And this is another thing, actually, was learning driven people and organizations as well that we have to focus on what we are good at. And I always believe there is nothing called time management. There is only focus management. So focus on what you are good at and leave the rest to someone else or to some AI else. Yeah. yeah. If someone can do it, then pass it to this someone and focus on really things that you are the only one who can do it.
0: Something I wanted to ask you and get your opinion on. So knowledge retention, obviously people retain knowledge in different ways. Do you think it's important to make learning fun to be able to retain that knowledge? What's your view? It's a must.
1: It has to be really. I can't really learn in a rigid you know manner and this is why one day I'll invite you to attend the, the learning organizational learning forum that, that run by Peter Singh and uh, the guys uh, from MIT. We go just go relaxed, uh, casual. We don't have this, you know, ties or suits and all of these big deals. About the forum, we uh, want to go in shorts. Go in shorts. You want to just go <laughs> relaxed the way you want, and uh, there is no even surname or family name. We just have our name only, just ala Matt. That's it. And uh, most of the presentations we do, we use cartoon in the presentations and. We use different ways, techniques, something called unconferencing. So we go without really agenda and we emerge, we get it emerged during the session. I've attended one in Oman and I was sitting on the table in the 2006 with two ministers. And yeah, he's a minister. You call them in their names. And in the Middle East, it's a big deal, you know, sitting on the same table with a minister, etc. So it has to be fun, has to be really joy. That's why I said in the beginning, learning keeps you young. Because the status of being a student, of being a learner, you are humble, you are open to new ideas, you accept uh, challenge, you accept feedback, uh, positive or negative. Uh, you are keen and curious to learn why they do this and then how they do it this way, etc. Uh, so there is a set of character to the effective, learning-driven people, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting as well. If you think about it in day to day life, if we watch a film, a comedy film, or if we watch a comedian and we see it once or an episode of a program and it's a comedy and it makes us laugh, we remember the lines that the people said. We can quote back. Do you remember that bit in that film? Or do you remember that bit that Michael McIntyre said? Because it made us laugh.
1: Absolutely, but just sitting in a room with uh, hundred slides and dull presentation and it doesn't. It doesn't doesn't help much. Yeah.
0: Awful. Your mind wanders. Then, as a learner, (laughs) your mind. How many people sit there and doodle like random stuff in their sketchbooks?
1: Exactly.
0: It's what happens. (laughs) Exactly. I'm so passionate about learning being fun as a young adult. And as a child, I hated learning because of the way that it was driven. It was in a classroom. It was exam focused. I, I used to panic at the thought of an exam and I hated it. As an adult, I got a thirst for knowledge because I know how I learn now. I know I learn by people putting it on my level and making it meaningful for me and making me smile.
1: Absolutely. And, and you become selective. You choose what you want to learn. So it's not important. Yeah. On you, you choose. I want to attend this webinar. I want to skip this one because you aim to get that sort of learning that will help you to improve your skills and and you can use it. It's actionable knowledge or actionable learning, not just sitting there because you have to sit there
0: learning is a choice. True. Yeah. The Scandinavians have got it right. They start learning later, don't they? Absolutely. Especially
1: Finland. They are so good at this. I attended many events there. They are so good in organisational learning and learning in general. They have learning labs. They have really good techniques in this. Yeah.
0: So, Ala, talk to me about the techniques for learning then. This would be a, a really interesting thing to get your point of view on.
1: The topic, when we say organisational learning, uh, I get some people get the feeling that this is something you know theoretical or something very academic but what I want to say here is learning is doable and uh, can be very easy and can also done for without any cost uh, so there are techniques that we can use in companies in businesses to improve our learning and acquire new knowledge and solve problems things like after action review and i really would love if um, our audience here can just google the three words after action review Uh, see how many best practices and videos and success stories using this simple technique and i will just mention this one simple technique after a project or a stage in a project or any incident even we set together as a team and we ask specific five questions. What was supposed to happen? What actually happened? Why it happened? What is the impact of what happened? What did we learn from this? Simple, five questions without any blame, without saying who did it and without pinpointing. We just ask these questions to realize the gap between what was supposed to happen and what actually happened, and, and what did we learn. So we go back to our policies, procedures, system, and make some modification. The longest exercise I did with this five-question took two hours, with a team of 10 people. And you can't imagine the amount of lessons learned came from these two hours, and went back and made some new policies. They clubbed some procedures together because there was duplication. And there was no ownership of certain situation. So these are simple exercises we can implement in companies. After action review, benchmarking as well. We can learn a lot from the industry. Uh, We can learn from the published reports, the industry issue, professional organizations, etc. So there are many ways. We just need to Google it techniques for organisational learning or mechanisms for organisational learning. I'm not talking about huge investment here. It's just the investment of time and and taking really action on it. So we have to own learning. We have to take ownership of learning on the individual level and organisation level. We have also to learn how to learn and to be proactive in finding new methods of learning.
0: That's brilliant. Thank you so much. Some really, really good tips there. My pleasure. Right, talking of learning, I'm now going to put you to the test. Oh, now test? Okay. This is going to really going to show okay. show yeah. where you're at. Okay, this is the yes no game. It's ironic because it's called the yes no game, but you're not allowed to say yes or no. So now I've got card one, card two, and card three. Now each of these cards has different topics associated to it. So depending on what card you pick is what topic your yes-no questions are going to be based around.
1: So I pick randomly or you will tell me.
0: You pick randomly. Do you want card number one, card number two or card number three?
1: Card number two.
0: Card number two. Your chosen category is TV shows. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> I'm not good at watching TV. If you hear the gong, that means you said yes, no, or a variance of yes and no, and you are out. Your objective is to last 60 seconds without using the words yes or no. It's only two words from the whole English language. It's so easy. (laughs) It's the two most commonly used words. Right, 60 seconds ready and loaded. Allah, do not say yes or no. It's all about TV shows. Have you ever binge watched an entire season of a TV show in one day? Uh, To some extent. Do you enjoy watching TV shows from different genres?
1: Sometimes I enjoy.
0: Have you ever been emotionally invested in the fate of a TV show character?
1: Uh, I think I, but I don't remember. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Do you find it difficult to resist spoilers for your favourite TV shows?
1: Uh, I find it easy.
0: Have you ever re-watched an entire TV series that you've seen before?
1: Let me recall uh, a movie, which is um, Green Mile. I never get bored of Green Mile. Yes.
0: Is that your favourite film? Absolutely. Do you often discuss... T- You've done it, Anna! I don't need to ask you another question because you just smashed it. You are a cool customer.
1: <laughs> trying,
0: that was incredible. <laughs> you didn't even look like you were phased. You just looked at me and answered the questions. Super. <laughs> that was remarkable. That is the benchmark. Well, well done. Thank you. Thanks. Outstanding effort you blow blown me away. <laughs> Absolutely blown me away. Uh, right, Allah, before I let you go, is there anything that you want to share with us? What's happening next for Allah? You mean today or generally? In general, what's going <laughs> on in your world? Anything you want people to know about? I'm
1: flying early morning to Serbia to talk.
0: Oh, lucky you!
1: <laughs> so I'll be speaking in a conference. Uh, it's a quality three conferences together in. Korojavik, a city about 150 kilometers from Belgrade. Wow. uh, With a university there. So I'll speak about uh, quality in higher education and also present my book, uh, The Learning Driven Business.
0: And where can people get that book if they want to get a copy?
1: It's available on on Amazon and uh, through Bloomsbury and also through BQF. We have a 25% discount for BQF members or anyone's uh, order it through BQF. So either Bloomsbury, the famous uh, publisher of Harry Potter. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And and so on Amazon as well, you may get a second uh, hand copy from Amazon, cheaper. (laughs) But of course, your copy is reserved with me. I just need the address to send it to you.
0: I will give you my address. I'm really looking forward to reading (laughs) it. I really am. The funny thing is, because I've now met you, when I read it, I'm going to hear your voice. It's going to be narrated to me in your voice, which makes it even better. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And what's, what's the name of that book again, so people can note it down?
1: It's the Learning Driven Business, How to Build an Ecosystem for Organizational Learning.
0: Fantastic. And if people want to learn more about you, do you have a website? Where can they find out about you? I,
1: I am uh, on the social, I'm LinkedIn and all social media. But if you Google my name, I have a website for the model that I created called ldomodel.org. L-D-O, Learning Driven Organization, ldomodel.org. That's the website. But as I said, if you just type Ala Garad, A-L-A-A-G-A-R-A-D on Twitter, LinkedIn, and uh, I'm, I'm there.
0: Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for your time. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. I enjoyed
1: uh, discussing with you and um, enjoy your show and uh, podcast. And looking forward for more collaboration.
0: Some key takeaways from today's discussion with Dr. Ala Garad. I'm just blown away. Uh, he's so inspiring, isn't he? The things he says are so true and they resonate so much with me. Passion drives success. How true is that? If you've got passion in something, it does drive the success. Things happen, things go well if you've got passion about it. You know, you can really learn so much and spread that knowledge to others. It's never too late to learn. Whether you are a child, a young adult, middle-aged adult, a senior adult, an OAP, it doesn't matter. There's always opportunities to learn. Think about different learning types. If you're creating learning for people, for your team, for individuals, think about how you're creating that learning and how do you expect people to connect with it? How are they going to retain that knowledge? Brilliant point by Dr. Grad. I really like that. It made me think... Be humble enough to learn from mistakes. If you're in an organisation and you're a leader of people, just be humble. Just say, look, I made a mistake. That didn't work out. Two-way doors. Empower your people to use those two-way doors. You can always, normally, go back. Nothing's permanent. Was it control Z? You could always control Z on life. <laughs> it's a shortcut key for like undo. Anyway, never mind. Make learning fun. It aids knowledge retention. Really good point. Think about the the one-liners that you remember from your favourite TV shows or from comedians, those jokes that you recall. You recall them because they were funny and interesting and it's stuck in your mind. That's what learning can be like if you let it be. Learning doesn't need to have high costs. Things like after-action reviews give you best practices online. Just Google it. Dr. Allah told us all about that. Go on, just Google after action review. I've just done it. There's loads of stuff that comes up. There's templates, there's pointers. It doesn't have to cost money to be able to learn. You can benchmark from other people, other organizations. Look at published reports that are online. There's loads of them. Networking. You know, use your LinkedIn network. Connect with people who do similar roles to you in other organizations. Bring it together. Learn from each other. It's fantastic. We've got online now. We've even got ChatGPT that you can ask questions to, and that will answer your questions. That investment is only your time. Investment in time is all it needs to be to start learning journeys. Take ownership of learning as individuals and of organisations and learn how to learn. Such wise words from such a wonderful, inspiring man, Dr. Garard. That brings us to an end of this episode of the Selene podcast. Thanks so much to Dr. Alagharad for his time today and his wonderful insights into learning, both as an individual and in an organization. So many useful tips there and so many of those penny drop moments that, you know, when you, you do these things every single day, but when you hear someone point them out, you're like, oh, yeah, that that's a yes, fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Such a great conversation. And I've definitely learned loads today. So I hope you did as well. If you like the sound of today's show and you would like to hear more, please subscribe and follow the Eversalene podcast at Eversalene.com where you'll also find episodes that you may have missed. Also, if you're on the socials, search for the Eversalene podcast, give us a follow and let me know about your lean efforts because I would so dearly love to hear all about them. And when you listen to the show, don't forget to rate and review. It really means a lot to me and goes so far to helping spread the word. Thanks so much. And I'll see you on the next episode. And don't forget ever Celine. You know, it makes sense. The Everselene podcast is researched, produced and recorded by Matt Sims. Visit everceline.com to find out more.